So again, we're excited that you're here. Uh, and you know, I was reminded again this week when, when, when I watch the news, especially as I've watched it, uh, or uh, again, let me just, I, I'm a total liar, okay? I don't watch the news. I read a lot of news. Uh, but when I read the news, it is such a reminder to me how fast my life can change. I mean, just, just logging on and seeing uh, things that are happening in our world. I mean, again, go back a couple of weeks, and you have the, the, the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. A- and it's just a reminder how quick life can change. Because you think about those parents. It gets me every time. They sent their kids to school. Never thinking that that morning when they put them on the bus or they got out of the car, that it would be the last time they would see their child alive. But that's reality in a broken world. I mean, and we could debate, you know, all the, all the laws. and the I, I, I'm not even here for that. But in one moment, our life can change from sunshine and blue skies to the absolute darkest midnight that you could ever think about experiencing. And I was reading some of the comments that people were posting to some of the stories about that tragedy in Texas. And, and, and it brought something back to mind, something that, you know, that I, I kind of tend to forget. It, it's this idea that when tragedies happen in life, when tragedies like the one in Texas happen, when things in life happen that I don't think are going to happen to me or, or something happens that, that I didn't see coming, it, it's just a reminder to me that I need to remember that life isn't all about me. It, it's in those moments that I have to remember. When life seems unhinged and things are hitting me that I never expected to happen to me, It's just a reminder to me that I am a part of a bigger story. A bigger story that has been going on long before I arrived on this earth. And here's the thing you need to know. It's a story that will be going on after I leave this earth. And I'm talking about a God story. An eternal story. About an amazing God. And it's a story that's not about me and It's not really about you individually, but it's about him. You know, as I've realized that life, the life I'm living, is really about him and not about me, one of the things that I've started to realize is that my role in his story, listen, 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 my role in his story is never going to change. Circumstances are going to change. Things in my life are going to change. But the thing that I can rest assured is this. My role in God's story is never going to change. Because my role in that story, my part is God's story, is regardless of what happens to me. But my part is to give God glory. That's the part I play. And regardless of what happens to me all my life, that's the role that you need to understand. That role is never going to change. Again, I was looking at the pictures and hearing the stories of what people were going through in Texas. And and it brought something to mind that I think seems to get lost. Until something like that, that tragedy, happens again. See, when tragedy happens, it's just a reminder to me that, you know what, it's easy to worship God when things are good. It's it's easy to worship God when, when my life is going the way that I expect my life to go. It, it, listen to me this morning. It's easy for me to live out my role of giving glory to God when my life is working out the way that I think it should. It's easy for me to stand up here and tell you it's all about me. It's not about me, but it's all about God. It's easy for me to say that when things in my life are clicking along like I think they ought to click along. But 
What happens when things aren't working out the way that I want them to? What happens when we see something and experience something like that shooting in Texas? And that something impacts your life the way that it has impacted the lives of those people in Uvalde, Texas. I mean, what happens when the world seems out of control and God seems like he's asleep at the wheel? What happens when my life is ripped apart and something happens and I didn't see it coming? See, it's just a reminder to me. Every time I look at the news, whether it's reading it or watching it, it's just a reminder to me that the older I get, that life is full of trouble and pain and chaos and death and trials and confusion. As a matter of fact, some of you may be here today and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you that are watching and listening online know exactly what I'm talking about. See, I can't tell you how many times during the week that I talk to people now because of all of the inflation issues that we're dealing with who are telling me basically, Randy, you know, I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. All of a sudden you have a financial problem that three months ago you didn't have that problem. Maybe right now you're in this room and you're in a marriage and you're right on the brink of the marriage that you've enjoyed for five years or 10 years or 20 years. You're right on the brink of that marriage collapsing. Or maybe there's a health issue that just came out of nowhere. Or maybe you're a student, high school student, middle school student, who's dealing with pressure from your friends Because they're trying to get you to compromise what you know is right. And see, I constantly have to remind myself, based on all of the things that are happening around me, both good and bad, I have to remind myself, based on what I see, that I am a part of a bigger story. And that story was broken because of sin. And we're not talking about just any story. We're talking about a story that is full of conflict. We're talking about a story that is full of what I call those midnight hours. And, and it's in those hours, those, those midnight hours, when, when life is dealing us things that we didn't expect. When life, life is dark and life is difficult. It's really easy, even for me sometimes, to kind of sit back and think that, you know what? I don't believe God even cares about me. I, I mean, it's really easy for me to, to step outside of the bigger story. And because of what I'm experiencing, it's really easy for me to look to heavens and say, God, no, I don't want any part of this. Thanks, but no thanks, God. Because if this is what surrendering my life to you is all about, then you know what, God? I'd I'd rather just be in control of my own life and my own destiny. But see, it's those hours, it's those midnight hours, it's those things, it's those times in life when things are difficult. It's those things when your life doesn't turn out the way that you planned. That's actually the time that you need God the most. So the question is how? How do we worship God in those midnight hours? How do you worship God when, when things in your life aren't turning out the way that you thought they would? Is it still possible for me as a follower of Jesus to, to give God glory, to live out my role when my life isn't turning out the way 
that I expected it to turn out. See, if you're going to give God glory when things aren't working out the way that you thought they were going to work out, if you're going to still be able to, to live out that role that you play in God's bigger story, then, then I believe there are at least two things that we must know. There are two things that must be true of all of us. If we're going to be able to worship God in those midnight hours, that life is always going to throw our direction. Here's the first thing. Look at the screen behind me. Oh, wait, I can't say that. The first thing is this. If you're going to be able to live out your role and worship God and give him glory in those difficult times in life, the first thing you have to believe, you have to believe that God is who he says he is. That's regardless. Regardless of what comes your way in life. You have to believe that God is who he says he is. The second thing is this. You have to believe that there's a much bigger story going on around you. And it isn't about you. And it isn't your story. It's his story. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want us to take a look at Acts chapter 16. Because it's in that chapter that we find a story that many of us are very familiar with. You've heard this before. It, it, it's a story about what I call a midnight hour. It, it's a time when things didn't turn out like people thought they were going to turn out. And it's also a time when God seems to be just totally lost and asleep at the wheel. Now, most of you know that the book of Acts is, is, is actually the beginning of the church. It's where it kind of gives us the detail of the start of the church. Jesus has come, been buried, he has risen from the dead, and as he leaves this earth, he gives his followers a commission, and he tells his followers, I need you to go out and spread the word. And that's exactly what the followers of Jesus did. They started, it's called the Great Commission, they went out and they started to spread the word. And they would go into public places, very public places, and they would proclaim, hey guys, here's what you need to know. Jesus came and died for the sins of the world. And one of the people who was instrumental in the start of the church was a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. So these are the people who are going out and telling people about the power of God and about the resurrection. So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 16. Uh, and again, if you have your Bible, then run your finger down, Acts chapter 16, down to verse 16, because that's where we're going to start this morning. Or if you have your worship guide, you can see the scripture in the worship guide, or it's also on Facebook there. You'll be able to see it at any place. Here we go. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. It says, and, and this is Luke writing. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, there are two things that are important about this. The Apostle Paul has two factions of people that he has to be careful with. First of all, you have the Jews who, who really did not buy into, they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So the first faction is the Jews. Paul had to be careful with the Jews because they were not buying into the message that Paul was sharing. And then you have the Roman government. The Roman government was the person, they were the people who were in control. So Paul is out preaching the gospel and sharing the good news, and Paul has to be careful of both the Jews and the Roman government. So in what we're reading, Paul is trying to actually ease into Philippi so that he could build some relationships. But in trying to share the message 
and to do it where he didn't kind of mess around with either one of those factions, the Jews or the Roman government, he's trying to ease into Philippi. He has this slave girl who is yelling and screaming and drawing all kinds of attention to Paul and his message when that isn't the kind of attention that Paul actually wanted. So let's go on. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. You know, I had to kind of do, I had one of those moments this morning. Uh, I was back, uh, we were prepping for the service and back in the green room and somebody brought in a box of donuts. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you get out of here. See, I'm fasting until 11 o'clock. Now, you'll probably hear my stomach growl in just a moment. 7 to 11, it's intermittent fasting. I'm not trying to be a spiritual guru, okay? I'm just telling you. I'm just trying to not gain weight during the summer and look good in my swimsuit, okay? That's just what I'm trying to do. So, so anyway, I'm, I'm fasting from 7 p.m. to 11 a.m. And, and, and I have this box of donuts, and, oh, they smelled so good. And I just had to say, in the name of Jesus, you get out of here. But that, that, this is on a serious moment. This is what Paul, Paul has this girl that's following him, that's drawing attention to him that he doesn't want. And he looks at her and he says, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave her and to get out of her. And it says, at that moment, the Spirit left her. Paul does this because here's the thing you need to understand. Paul has reached a point in, in, in what he's doing that he said, you know what, I, I've got, I've done, I, I'm done. I've, I've had all I can take, and I don't want the attention. But he had reached a point where he, he didn't want to have to deal with it anymore. And in that moment, Paul spoke to her, and the Spirit left her. And it's almost, and again, I'm going to use my paraphrase here. Uh, Ken, don't, don't be mean to me, okay? Uh, it's, it's like she, she wakes up and, and she's like coming out of a zombie state because the Spirit has left her. And she's like, wow. What, guys, how y'all doing? I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to be such a nuisance to everybody. I think I'll just go on my way. And so this girl that had been drawing all the attention to Paul and his group who were proclaiming the good news of the gospel, she just leaves. But let's pick back up in the scripture. It says, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer, look at, look at what it says, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. That's important because we're going to come back to something. Commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received those orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now think about this. You're Paul and Silas. Jesus has commissioned you to go out and spread the good news. And all of a sudden, your life, which was pretty good, has taken a nasty turn. Because you went from doing what God had called you to do, which was to preach the gospel, to now you find yourself sitting in a prison. All because of a miracle. That's why you're in prison. You're in prison because of a miracle. You're in prison because of a spirit leaving a girl. And now Paul and Silas find themselves in the dark, beaten, chained cell of a prison, wondering, how could this happen? 
what happened? What went wrong? But look at the beginning of verse 25. It says, about midnight. You ever been there? Have you ever been there in life? About midnight. This happens to them. They reach this point in their lives where this happens. And this is one of those moments where Paul and Silas have a choice. See, they can lean back and they become bitter, sometimes like I do, and they can say, God, why are you doing this? God, is this what I get for following you? God, is this what happens when I try to serve you? Are are you paying attention, God? Are you there? Hello? God, don't you see us? We were out proclaiming the good news of the gospel, and now we're in a dungeon. We've been beaten. We need some help. Because this isn't working out the way that we thought it was going to work out. Or they can make the choice to say, you know, yes, we're in the inner cell of this prison. But even though we're here, we still know that we believe in God. And even though we're here in this prison, we believe there's a much bigger story than just us in this prison. There's a much bigger story taking place. So we're going to choose to believe, you know, that this isn't about us, but this is about God. And regardless of what happens to us, we're going to trust God. It's their choice, Paul and Silas. It's their choice when it comes to how they are going to respond. And see, here's the deal. Everybody expects you to give glory to God when things in your life are working out like you expect them to. Everybody expects you to give glory to God when everything in your life is going the way that you wanted it to. I mean, think about it. When life is good and the income is good, when the marriage is good, when you got the job, when the stock options came in, when the kids got in the right school, when inflation is not killing your paycheck, then everybody expects you to give glory to God. Because when life is happy and everything we expected it to be, then praise God. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Because everybody expects you as a follower of Jesus Christ to give glory to God when things in your life are going the way that you expected them to be, when they're good. What about you're in the, when you're in the dungeon at midnight? What about in your life when something unexpected happens to you and everything you've known is taken away from you? What are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to respond when you're there and in that moment life is falling apart and you feel like you're by yourself? You feel like you're alone in your apartment. Or alone at home. And that's the time that you hear those little voices that say, you know, it's bad. It's really bad. It's really bad this time. I don't know if you're going to make it out this time. Things are looking bad. And things aren't adding up the way that you thought they would. You have a choice how you're going to respond. And see, if you read the rest of verse 25, it tells us how Paul and Silas responded. It it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, that's a picture. That's That's a picture that I want you to get this morning in your mind. Because I can just see Paul and Silas in the inner cell of that prison, and Silas looks over to Paul and says, hey, Paul, what do you want to do? 
Paul said, I don't know, Silas. I mean, we've been beaten. We've been tortured. I mean, we're in a dungeon. I mean, Silas, we, we, don't, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But we can still sing. We can still praise God. Silas, we can still fulfill our God-given role to give God glory right where we are. So Paul says to Silas, let's just do that. And that's why I love the second part of verse 25. It says the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, that, that's important. But there's also something kind of humorous to me there because when I read that, I'm like, duh, they didn't have any choice but to listen to them. They're all locked up together. And Paul and Silas are praising and singing glory to God, and the prisoners that are there with them are having to listen to them. But it's really easy for us to miss something. Do you realize what that says about your life? Because what we've just read about Paul and Silas, it serves as a reminder. A reminder that the, the trials in your life, a reminder that the difficulties that you're going through right now, those things that you don't want to experience in your life, those can actually be used as a megaphone to give God glory in your life, out of your circumstances. See, what, what we need to understand is this. When you and I reach that dark hour, when you and I reach that difficult time, when you and I experience those midnight hours, you know what's going to happen? Listen to me. Your friend that didn't want to hear about God when you were driving the big car and living the big house and making the big income, those friends that didn't want to hear about God when things were going good in your life, those same people are going to lean into your life. Because now that things are going bad for you, they're very interested in how you're going to respond. They're going to be very interested in the way that you respond when things aren't going the way that you expected. And they're going to look at you. And they're going to say, how in the world can they praise God when things like they're going through are so bad? How, how can they praise God in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the mess they're going through? How is that even possible? Let me tell you, the friends that didn't want to hear about God when things were going good in your life, when things turn on a dime and they go bad, they're going to lean in and they're going to watch exactly how Randy responds. Look at verse 26. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't do it. Don't harm yourself. Because we are all still here. Now, I want to stop here because I know some of you are thinking something. Sure, that's the way it always works. In the Bible, Randy, I get it. That's the way it always works that way. It's the Bible. That's the way it's supposed to happen. 
In the Bible, you praise God in the middle of the storm and there's an earthquake. Sure, that's the way it happens in the Bible. But what about me? What about the things that are happening to me? Because, Randy, I know all about what the Bible says. I've never seen, I know the Bible says about the waters parted. I've never seen the waters part. I've never seen the food multiplied. I've never seen a sick person healed. And I've never seen or felt an earthquake that helped to get me out of my crisis. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to notice two things. Because when the earthquake happened, if we had read all the way down to verse 33, the scripture tells us that the jailer took the prisoners, Paul and Silas, and he washed and cared for, listen, listen, he washed and he cared for their wounds. So listen, listen, this is what I want you to hear. Because you, you read this story and you, you think, oh, everything just worked out fine. Because of what Paul and Silas had experienced, they still had wounds. They still had scars. Even though what they went through, even though they were singing and praising God, let me tell you this morning, and hear this, my lips to your ears, it still involved pain and it still left them with scars. And it's just a reminder to us. It's a reminder that God has never, listen, listen, God has never promised me that following him was going to be easy. God has never promised me that following him was going to be rosy. God has never promised me that following Jesus was going to be like the stock market was a year ago, all the way up and to the right. It's ne he never promised me that. Because as a matter of fact, Jesus came along and told us something that exa is exactly diametrically opposite. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's the first thing. The second thing that I think we need to see is this. When Paul and Silas had the opportunity to leave, the earthquake happened, the chains fell off, they were free. They didn't leave. They stayed right in the middle of that situation. You want to know why? Because I think they figured out, you know what? This is weird. It's a weird situation. But even as weird as this situation is, God is doing something. God is doing something here. Paul and Silas knew that God was up to something bigger. So Paul and Silas made the decision, you know what? We're just going to stick around because we want to see what's going to happen. They could have left. They could have bolted. But they didn't. Why? I love what it says in Psalm 16, verse 8. The psalmist writes, I have set the Lord always before me. And because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I will set the Lord before me. And because he's there, I'm not going to let the circumstances that I find myself in shake me deter me, depress me. And you know, that might be the place that you find yourself. 
You may have walked into church, and let me just compliment you for attending church because so many people have given up on church. But you may have walked in here this morning, and you may be facing the darkest hour that you have ever faced in your life. Or on the other hand, you may be facing the sunniest day. Life may be great. But regardless of where you find yourself this morning, Today needs to be the day when you do what the psalmist says. Today needs to be the day where you spend the effort and you pour your heart into knowing him more. Set the Lord before you. Pour yourself into knowing him. Because that's the way you stay. That's the way you stay put when you find yourself in those midnight hours. So you may be looking at the situation that you find yourself going on, you have going on in your life this morning. You may, you may be looking at that situation. And you may be questioning, what, what, is, what is God doing here? You may even get down a little deeper than that, and you, you, you may say, I just don't understand why God would do this to me. I don't understand why God would let this happen to me. My, my situation, my circumstances are so dark and so deep into midnight, Randy, that, that I don't have any idea how God could use this. And you know what my response might be to you? I don't know how God could use it either. I don't understand how God is going to use the place that you find yourself either. But I'll tell you what I do know. I do know that I believe in God. And because of the, cro the, the cross of Jesus Christ, I have a God who believes in me. And the first thing that I'm going to do is to keep my eyes on him, regardless of what is happening in my life. I'm going to deal with everything that happens in my life through him. The good and the bad, listen to me this morning, it's all going to be filtered through him. And see, I believe it's all in how we look at a situation that's going to make all the difference in how we handle that situation. Because honestly, I, I believe there are three ways that we can respond when we find ourselves in those midnight hour situations. See, initially, when you find yourself in a bad situation, when you find yourself in a midnight hour situation, it, it, let, let, listen, listen, I know you like I know me. It's all so easy to initially get caught up in the me factor. It's all about me. Everything comes down to me. It all comes down to how the situation I'm in affects me. I want to be able to control everything so that when, when, when I'm in prison, I can get out of that prison. Because I don't like it when something bad happens. Because when something bad happens to me, listen, it's just not fair. I don't care about the jailer. I don't care about his family. I don't care about the other prisoners. I don't care about the guy I work with and his family. I don't care about the parents who lost their children in the shooting in Texas. I don't care about the people who are going through chemo. I see everything through the filter of me. It's all about me. And it's almost as if I'm wearing those me-colored glasses. Because everything's about me. But see, not everybody responds that way. There are some people who, who, who see what is happening in our lives through what I call life-colored glasses. 
I mean, we, we choose to see God that way. We choose to see God through life-colored glasses. And you say, well, Randy, what are you talking about? Well, it's like this. When life is good, then God is good. But when life is bad, then God is bad. Do you see life that way? Let me tell you, you're making a different mistake than the people who see life through those me-colored glasses. Because you think, I got the car, I got the girl, I got the job. What's the matter with everybody? Let's praise God because life is good. Again, life is good and God is good. And because life is good and God is good, I'm going to be on the front row of church praising God so I can tell everybody how good God is to me. But then something happens in life, and when life turns bad, God turns bad. Because you're looking at God through life-colored glasses. When life hurts, and I don't want to be hurt, and I can't take it, I start to wonder why God isn't doing something about this. So since I can't see God in that midnight hour that I find myself in, naturally, I just want to take control. But you know what happens? When you're looking at life through life-colored glasses, the moment things in your life turn around, as soon as the news in your life gets a little better, it's praise God. Because life is looking good. And that's because you're looking at God through life-colored glasses. But there's a third way. And the third way is Paul's way. Because in a roundabout way, Paul tells us that freedom comes when we start looking at God and life through God-colored glasses. See, freedom comes when we actually do what the psalmist says. I have set the Lord before me. I'm continuously going to look at life through the character of God. And the first thing I'll do is always look at the things that happen to me simply through the character of God. In the, listen, 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 look right here. In those dark nights, when things don't work out the way that I thought they would, God, I'm still going to praise you. I'm going to praise you because I know that you are big, bigger than life. So I'm going to trust you to make sense, God, of what's happening. I'm going to do what the psalmist says. I will set the Lord before me. And no matter what happens, I'm saying in my heart, I will always praise you. Let me wrap this up really quick and ask you, where are you today? Where are you today personally? Not the person next to you, not the people behind you, but where are you today? Today, are you facing a midnight hour? And I realize, you know what? It, it, it can't be probably as bad as what those parents faced in Uvalde, Texas, when they lost their child. But when you look at your life and you think about what you're going through, it's just as bad. See, at some point in life, all of us are going to come face to face with those midnight hours. The question is, what will you do? The question is, how will you respond? Are you going to be one of, the, are you going to be one of those people who look at life through those me-colored glasses? It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about how it affects me. Or are you going to look at life and God through those life-colored glasses? Or will you make the choice to look at that situation through God-colored glasses? 
Are you going to allow God to use all the situations and circumstances in your life for his glory? Are you going to allow him to put a megaphone up to you in your situation so that even in your darkest midnight, he can be glorified? Let me tell you, listen, listen, listen. If you haven't experienced one of those midnight hours, you will. The question is this, how are you going to respond? Would you bow your heads this morning and pray with me, please? God, we can take the scripture and see a story that we've read or studied maybe many times. And even though we might have heard that story and read that story many times, there's always a new nugget there. And maybe this morning for some of us, the nugget really is how are we going to respond when life doesn't give us what we want? Our finances, our relationships, our health, how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to play the me pity party? Are we going to play the the part when life is good and God is good, but when life is bad and God is bad? Are, are we going to make the choice to look at that situation through those God-colored glasses? And even in that hour, even in that storm, respond in such a way that we say, God, we don't understand it. We don't know how you're going to use it. But we're going to allow you to use our life and our situation in a way that it can bring glory to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What's your situation? What's your midnight hour? Let me tell you, if you're not facing one today, you will face one. The question is, how will you respond? Will you give God the glory that he deserves? The praise that he deserves? even in the storm, even in that situation, as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't find 